Well, everybody, I'd like to welcome you to the first edition of the Rolex Whiskey Whiskey Passion Podcast. My goal with this podcast is to interview people I admire, talk about whiskey, talk about the history of whiskey, and how I've been fortunate to fall into this whole passion group of individuals with this common denominator of we just love amazing whiskey. And to launch this, I could think of nobody else that I'd want to launch this other than my guest, Andrea Wilson from Mictors. Andrea, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. No, it's an incredible honor, Gavin. I'm so happy to be here. I mean, you bring so much passion and enthusiasm for engaging in whiskey. And that's what it's all about for all of us that produce whiskey. Like this is our dream is to have someone who enjoys drinking whiskey, dissecting the whiskey, talking about the whiskey, sharing the whiskey with friends, family, celebrating the history, the heritage, what's so beautiful about it. We love it so much. It's our passion. And um, I, it is an honor to be on with you today and and talk about whiskey. Well, for those of you who don't know, you know, because I'm going to have a whole new sphere of listeners in this world of podcasts separate to my Instagram world. I grew up in South Africa, didn't really drink any bourbon. There you drank uh, Johnny Walker or J&B. And if it was like a, a wedding or a bar mitzvah or something, you had Johnny Walker Blue. There was no bourbon. I came to America when I was 20 years old, started running restaurants and working in nightclubs, um, stuck, stuck to my Johnny Walker Black. That was it. And then eight years ago, when my daughter was born premature and I was sitting in the NICU, I decided to go on this journey of an alternative investment strategy, a.k.a. buying whiskey. Well, I started off, as most of you will know know now, I started off with Japanese whiskey. I drank Suntory whiskey for the first time, and I thought, man, whoever made this, he didn't care who wanted it. He made perfection. And if they didn't want it, so be it. And if it wasn't, he probably threw it away. I could tell that from day one. I was probably a year into collecting when a friend of mine said, hey, you should try this brand Mixer's bourbon. And I'm like, what bourbon? I don't have any bourbon. I'm buying like Japanese whiskey and scotches. I'm like, I don't even know what this is. I Googled it and I was like, okay. And this is probably 2016-ish. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm a collector and I'm using hashtags above my head here while I'm talking. Um, and there was a store in New York that had a Mixer's 20 for $995. And I was like, Shh, I'm going to order that thing. That's great. I don't even know what this is, but man, that's a $995 purchase. Like, whew, that's got to be something special. Ordered it, delivered it to my house. If you ever follow my Instagram Rolex whiskey, you, you'll see in my living room, I have a thing called the whiskey wall where I display, you know, now a good percentage of my whiskey, but a small percentage because I have so much. Um, and I put this up there, this 2015 Mictors. Well, I live in sunny San Diego. The My house is pretty much temperature controlled. And like three months into it, I noticed that the wax 
uh, the tear strip on the top was just opening slightly on its own. So I sent an email to this Instagram of Michter's and I said, hey guys, I don't know if this is supposed to happen. And the person who answered said, hey, you know, I don't know, but I'm gonna put you in touch with somebody who might know more. Fine, no worries, what's your email address? And then I get an email from my guest, Andrea Wilson. And she says, I'm so sorry to hear that. Yes, I'm not sure what's going on. Unfortunately, because that was a limited edition, I can't replace it, but I would love your address. And I said, oh, sure, no worries. Just was wondering what's going on. Um, next thing I know, like three days later, I get like baby Moses's basket full of mixture stuff. And I'm like, whoa, this is nuts. Who are these people? This is like unheard of. And I email back and I'm like, you didn't have to do that. That's too much. And it's like, no, no, if there's anything you ever need, just let me know. No problem. Thank you so much. I have all this beautiful new stuff. By the way, I haven't tasted Michter's yet. I haven't even drank bourbon yet. Well, I go on a Facebook group and I advertise that I got this this 2015 bottle that I'm not 100% feeling good about as an investment. And a gentleman in LA says to me, hey, I got a 2016. Why don't I drive down to San Diego, meet you. I'll open your 2015. I'll pour you two ounces of it. And I'll give you my brand new 2016. Sounds like a great deal. We go meet in the parking lot outside Whole Foods in Del Mar. We shake hands, he opens this bottle, pours me two ounces, gives me a brand new seal 2016, I drive home. The Mictus 20 2015 was the first bourbon I ever tried in my life. And that's the story right there. That's what started the path. So now I know what perfection tastes like. I've never tasted anything like that, I'm floored. I go buy a Mictus 10. I buy a Mictus 10, I open it up, I start drinking it, and I'm like, oh, delicious. Well, the wax comes off the core. So I'm like, I'm gonna email my friend Andrea, see what she has to say about this. Email Andrea, she's like, oh man, no. Sends me a brand new bottle, I'm like, you are silly? She's like, I'm just telling you, if you're ever in Kentucky, please come visit. I have been in love with Mictors since that day. And I think, Andre, my story is pretty accurate on how that went down. I know it was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot. It, it seems like it was yesterday, but it was a long time ago. But yeah, that's about right. That's about right. And about a few months later, I was fortunate to come out to Kentucky and hang out with Joe and meet Andrea for the first time in the Shively Distillery and do a full tour and do a tasting with her. Um, and we've been friends and I've been a fan ever since. And I, as you can tell, I'm incredibly passionate about mixtures and incredibly passionate about how Andrea brought me into the fold and that, you know, I'm sitting here blushing and I'm gonna let Andrea talk for a second, but Andrea, can you tell me, tell me your history in whiskey? Like, how does it start? Like, when does it start ish? Um, so you know, as a child, I was a child that enjoyed making things. So every 
chemistry set or erector set or um, anything that, you know, the easy bake oven, anything that I could have in my possession as a child that would allow me to make things was my happy zone. Um, so that is what drives me. I, I get great joy from making things. And so um, as I grew up, um, I was exposed to the distilling industry as a young girl because my great uncle worked for Seagram. My grandfather was an old moonshiner in Kentucky who had um, a lot of experience. He would tell the tales of his days running moonshine. I would hear, you know, my uncle tell stories about working in the Seagram manufacturing facility. And so I had these influences. As I continued growing up, um, we, we used to go fishing. We would visit distilleries at the end of a fishing trip. And so we would get to taste mash and sort of learn about the product. And I was always intrigued because, again, they were making something. So I thought this was all very fascinating. And then as I got became a teenager, we were making beer and wine as a family. We weren't doing anything commercially, but we grew grapes. We would pick the grapes. We would make the wine. We would do all these things. And, and so, I, again, I just thought the processes were all very fascinating. And so I decided that I wanted to go into um, some kind of spirits making and found out that there really wasn't a school for that. So I wasn't, today things have changed significantly because there's amazing university curriculums where you can go to school and, and learn fermentation science, or you can go to school and become a distiller um, or gain a distilling certificate or any of these things were uh, available now were not available years ago. And, um, and so I was a bit of in a situation where it was like, well, where where do I learn this trade? How do I learn this? And decided to go to university uh, for chemical engineering because within the engineering chemical engineering curriculum, you would learn about heat transfer and distillation and things of that nature. So I thought, well, that's the best place for me. So I went to the University of Louisville. I graduated with my Master of Chemical Engineering, got out of school, ready to go, ready to take my first job in the spirits industry. And um, unfortunately, at the time when I was coming into the industry in the 90s and coming out of university, um, the industry was not booming like it is now. And it's a career industry. People come in and they stay in their role for 30, 40 years. And so not only was the industry not growing, there was nobody uh, leaving their position and there were no new opportunities opening up. So um, I was not able to get a position readily, um, but something interesting happened for me because um, I had a friend of the family that said, you know, you should look at being a project engineer for a while and get some skills and build your your capability set, get some exposure to different types of industry. So that's what I did. I actually went um, to work for a global consulting firm. I had an amazing um, experience probably for about eight, nine years of my life. I was doing engineering 
in all kinds of different environments. So I always tell people, you know, I did everything from cookies to oil and it was amazing time in my life because I got to meet all different types of people. I got to learn about all different types of industry. I got to build my capabilities and my skills. Um, and so I have a tremendous um, foundation that comes from just learning the fundamentals of how to make all different kinds of products. And so that has, has benefited me well. Ultimately, one day, Diageo phoned me, which if people don't know, they're the largest spirit company in the world. They make amazing brands. And they said, we need you to do some work for us. I, I worked for them for a few years as a consultant under contract. And then ultimately I went to work for them full time, worked for them for many years doing all kinds of things and ultimately um, oversaw their North American distilling and maturing program, um, which included products like Bullet and George Dickel and Crown Royal. And, and then one day um, I left Diageo and came to Michter's. And so uh, I left the big corporate world and came to a family-owned business, which has been. Now I'm gonna, I'm gonna, ca I'm gonna catch, stop you for one second. I gotta yeah. ask: in the yeah. '90s, what did whiskey look like? Because you said nobody really wanted it. What, what was like? What is it? What you know? What was that moment in time? You know, what was top shelf? What was everyday drinkers? I mean, because I keep hearing there wasn't really a lot of variety. No, there wasn't. So, um, you know products that you know were on shelf at the time um elijah craig for example was you know um a good product beam um yeah you know if you were in kentucky you could get maker's mark <laughs> but yeah. if you were outside of kentucky you you probably only saw beam and you know i'm just going to be honest you you would go in a fine steakhouse Picture, you know, pick any steakhouse across the yeah. country that you would presume was the finest steakhouse. And you might, and I underscore that, you might see one bottle there and that was it of Kentucky bourbon. Everything else was, you know, scotch or vodkas or gins or other. Yeah, I mean, that's when I was doing nightclubs. It was schnapps and vodka and, and rum, but like rum for mixed drinks. I mean, that yeah. just wasn't happening. Okay, so yeah. now you you now what year do you come to Michter's? Um, so I came to Michter's in 2014, July of 2014, and so I've been with Michter's a little over eight years now. So I was the seventh employee in Kentucky, and um, so I come aboard Willie Pratt's master distiller at the time, Pam Heilman. Yeah has been hired um, away from Beam. Pam had an amazing career as well. She ran the largest um, uh, bourbon distillery at the time, which was Booker No. Um, and so she comes over to Michter's and then I'm hired in. And then behind me is Dan McKee, who worked with Pam for many years at Beam. And so um, ultimately, you know, it was Willie as master distiller, then Pam, and now we have Dan. 
um, as is our master distiller today. So we've had a, a lot of growth, a lot of um, things. You know, Willie, unfortunately, has passed away. Pam is retired and Dan is at the home now. Um, and between he and I and an amazing team of individuals. So Dan was employee number eight here in Kentucky. And now we're going to be almost 100 people by the end of the year across three campuses. So now tell me, what does 2014 look like at Mictors after coming from a big Diageo and now you're coming to this family owned business? Like, what is that? You know, what does that look like? Yeah. So um, it's interesting. And, because... and what product and, and the products like 2014, you know, it's obviously not the array of products we have today. Like, how does that, you know, like, what does that look like? Yeah, so 2014 actually was the first toasted release. So the first toasted bourbon was released um, in 2014 by Michter's. We were the first company to release a toasted American whiskey product. So we're very proud of our toasted series of products. Today we have, you know, we started with toasted bourbon. Then we ended up releasing toasted barrel finish, barrel strength rye. And then we released Toasted Sour Mash after that. So those are the three products in our Toasted series that have come out over the, the last eight years. Um, but coming to Michter's at that time, what you have to understand is I had a tremendous, I had known this family for long before I ever came to work for them. And what always inspired me about this was the fact that they acquired an abandoned trademark in the 90s and have put so much passion into building this product and resurrecting this brand. And, you know, it would be easy for someone now to say, oh, you know, guess what? You know, this person's going to build um, a bourbon distillery in Kentucky. Can you believe it? You know, everybody would go, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. of course they are, because American whiskey is booming and everybody can't get enough of it. And everybody's so enthusiastic about, you know, the growth of um, the the uh, Kentucky bourbon category. But back then, it wasn't that way. No one was interested in hearing about a new American whiskey product back in the 90s. So I always had this tremendous admiration for the family wanting to resurrect a brand that they believed in, that they thought was something really special. And they wanted to make it into something really beautiful again. And so that's what, that's what initially always enchanted me about this brand. I actually used to monitor Michter's as part of the competitive set for um, products like Bullet when I was at Diageo. And so I knew Michter's, I knew what it was capable of. I thought it was a great brand. I thought, you know, the focus on quality here at Michter's and being a family owned business was something that was really, really special. And I wanted to be a part of that. And I wanted to be part and, of And folks, just, just the first time I toured with, with Andrea, there's a part of behind the curtain where she's like, you can't take any pictures. You can't do anything here. And that part really is the attention to quality and detail. It's, 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 it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing the amount of love that goes into everything that Mictures makes. And I've witnessed it firsthand and just being like, wow, there's no corners being cut. There's no, 
it's just the best of the best. And that's, that's, I mean, it just echoes when you drink it, when you tell like, to me, it's just like, this is it. This is, this is the, the holy water and, and all the work that it requires. Sorry, Ann, to interrupt you. I just was like, cause that did blow me away. I remember that first tour with you and you're like, Hey, I'm going to show you some stuff, but you can't talk about it really, or take any pictures of it, but this is the <laughs> process to make this. And always, I'm like, that's a lot of work. Like you could, you could shit, you could just skip this whole section and you know, it'll be fine. No, definitely not. It's, so, it's okay, fascinating sorry. though, because you know, the, the things, I mean, we, there's a team of people here and what you're talking about, and we say this word passion and we pass it around, but what we really mean is like people really care about what they're doing. Like it's important to every single person who works here that they do a good job and they make a really good product because that's their livelihood. This is, they have a lot of pride in what they're doing. Their name may not be on the bottle, but they treat it as if their name is on the bottle and it means something to them. Like their workstations are clean. The floors are clean. The way, you know, they organize their workspaces is, is well done because they care about what they're doing. You know, these are not people who come in and punch a time clock. The ownership knows every person here. They know every person by name. They are connected to this brand in a way that we hope resonates for every consumer in the fact that, you know, this is something special. These people really care about what they're doing and there's so much passion behind um, you know, the product that we're making and ultimately the way it resonates is consistent quality. It's not just mm -hmm. one time we did something good across the entire portfolio. If you buy Mictors today or you buy Mictors five years from now, it is going to be the best quality that we can give you um, at all times. And that's really important to, to all of us here. Which also, you know, brings up a point. There's been a couple of times over the last few years where you haven't released something. You're yeah. like, we're not going to release it this year. We're going to hold up. It just doesn't meet the our quality standards that we would like. And our, you know, our love is just not there yet. Give it another year. Let's, let's see what happens. Yeah. It, you know, I, I just blown away. Because I've, I've never, ever, ever, ever felt that Mictors was about money, ever. It was about making the best product. And if this is what it is this year, we'll do it. And if not, it'll be next year, you know? But it's not like, hey, we've got to do this. We've got to do that. It's never, ever that. Yeah, I think that there's a tremendous amount of freedom here. And one of the things that has always enchanted myself, as well as, you know, Willie, Dan, Pam, all of us, you know, as we have worked for this company is the freedom that we have to do the things that we know really influence the final product. You know, many things have changed, um, you know, and you're talking about, you know, time and how time has changed things. But, you know, you can go back to 1962 and the proof of entry into a barrel was once maxed at 110. You couldn't enter whiskey into a barrel at greater than 110 proof. Today, you can enter a whiskey into wood up to 125 proof. So we conform to the old standard because, you know, we're entering at that lower entry proof, having a little more water up front, which helps, um, you know, with the beautiful barrel chemistry. But, 
you know, I think about even the laws in 1964, you know, when when the um, Congress declared, you know, bourbon as America's native spirit in 1964, it, it again, was not a, a significant time for American whiskey. But my goodness, now you fast forward to today, now you have, you know, amazing <laughs> chefs wanting to work with a product. It's on TV shows. It's in movies. You know, people want to have foodie and whiskey experiences. You know, there's whiskey clubs. You have a whole consumer packaged goods Boy. industry, soap, shampoo, cam candles, whatever you come up with made with, you know, some some bourbon or, you know, some parts of the barrel, barrel furniture. It's an amazing time. And American whiskey has now penetrated the fabric of not only this country, but it, it's a global um, product now. And I think that, you know, what you're seeing is the quality is so good that, you know, people, it's desirable product now all over the world. Um, well, I think there's there's more education absolutely. around it. There's, there's there's more eyes, like you said, the TV shows, all that. Like you know, if I think about so, you know, the creme de la creme of mixtures is the mixtures celebration in this beautiful presentation, this red box and the gold stopper. And I remember I would see it on the shelf in New York when I'd be there for work, and it, it would sit anywhere from three thousand to five thousand. And it was in there, it was in the glass case. And this is the era where top shelf was there. You know, people who would buy these things were buying them for occasions. They weren't buying them to invest. People were sure drinking a lot more whiskey. And if that's what they fancied, then that's what they would do. And I would see it all the time. And I remember the first time I got to go to the New York office was like two weeks after uh, the show had aired on Billions, where the character Wags orders a a uh, couple of pours of the Mictus celebration and takes the rest of the bottle to go. And I was in the New York, New York office with Joe and Matt. And I'm like, guys, like, this is just nuts. What did you pay for that? They're like nothing. The producer just really loves the product. Like this is just wild. And I'm telling you, you never saw that red box on shelf ever again. That was like, that was that catalyst that just brought everybody into the fold that Mictus just makes some of the best whiskey in the world. And then if I think about how it went global after that, I mean, you are, you're in what? I mean, I remember you guys went to build out Asia. Asia is a huge market. I mean, who would have thought bourbon? You know, but Asia is a huge market for bourbon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I you mean, know? It, it's, it's an amazing time to see, you know, what's happening in American whiskey. I mean, even our Michter's Sour Mash in 2019 was rated whiskey of the year by the whiskey exchange, which if people don't know what that is, that's the, you know, world's largest online global retailer. And, mm -hmm. you know, for me, it might seem, oh, great, you know, it's an accolade, but it's actually quite significant because whiskey of the year um, has traditionally been given to scotches, cognac, Scotch. Irish whiskey, yeah. things like that. And so to have an American whiskey be rated whiskey of the year, in 2019 was it that tells me american whiskey is now on par with the finest scotches and cognacs and other beautiful products in the world which 
which is amazing, you know, and that's what we've been working um, so hard for. And I think that, you know, you said it beautifully. I mean, so many people are educated more than ever now. And, you know, there, there's a lot of interest in the exploration of American whiskey and just the, you know, I think the accessibility has changed. So, and also the boundaries, the the boundaries that can be pushed, you know, like looking at North of 20 years and, and, and what a bourbon does, you know, scotch and bourbon are so different and, Everyone was so used to seeing aged scotches, you know, that's kind of been around, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but when aged bourbons, like your, your 10 years, your 20s, obviously the 25 bourbons, the 25 rise, like that, I, I'm like obsessed with what mother nature does in the barrel and over time. And mm-hmm. you look at that level of perfection at the level and you're like, that's that education. Well, like, hey, you guys only knew about scotch. Let me show you what American whiskey can do. Yeah. And, and I mean, you yourself, Gavin, I mean, you, you know, you, you've done so much with social media, but you know, that, that is information. Um, It's now at your fingertips. You have blogs, podcasts, events, clubs, you know, all these different things that are bringing information. Um, But the convenience is also changing um, to have delivered to your home by your liquor store. It's it's a crazy time, but the digital retail landscape is also changing, Um, you know, allowing consumers to learn about products, potentially choose it right there on a website, potentially have it delivered to your house. I mean, you know, you can post about something in Australia and within five minutes, somebody in the U.S. is writing your note back. You know, it's... um, it's really connected American whiskey globally now. Um, you know, the this whole information exchange and, and the power of all of these different, you know, channels of communication and information exchange um, are really creating the foundational growth, um, in my opinion, you know, for, for this business. But um, I, I totally agree. And I think that because that information is at our fingertips and the ability, and to be honest, like whether it's however it works, the, the, the transferability and the fact that you can connect, you know, I was in uh, Portland a few weeks ago for work and I went into dinner to a gentleman named Tommy who owns a restaurant called the Ballard Cut, which just has an insane amount of whiskey. And he had saved and it was like a 2002 US 101 that he found for like nothing. And we opened it up and I, I texted Raven afterwards. I'm like, that could be some of the funnest stuff I've ever drank. It was like a root beer. It was just so like mind blowing what Mictors and you talk about the heritage of the family and the trademark and all that kind of stuff, like what it, what it was doing. And I look at like everything I've drank. I mean, I, I'll put you on the spot a little bit. You know, I kind of, what would you, what's the best whiskey you have drank in your world that you live in? And you're, you're around a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's not going to be any question for me and, you know, I might be slightly biased, um, but I, I have to honestly say some of the most special whiskey in the world for me is the Michter Celebration product. It 
it takes us about a year to make that product. Um, it is an exceptional process. And to work with whiskeys that are, you know, over 10, but some over 20, 25, 30 years old are really special. There, there was a time in American whiskey, and, and even today, there's still people who believe, oh, you can't have an American whiskey over 12 years old. You can't have an American <laughs> whiskey over 20 years old. You just can't. I hear all the time about can't, but I'm here to tell you that Michter's produces some of the most high quality aged whiskeys out there in American whiskey. They are really, really complex. They're beautiful. They're very elegant. They are not overly oaked. And in many cases, you wouldn't even be able to, to identify with the proof on them or the strength because they're, they're so drinkable and so approachable. And that's the really special aspect of maturing whiskey. If you put a barrel in a warehouse and you just leave it there and you come back in 20 years, I would suggest that it may be a challenge to get the product that you're looking for. But if you really look after these barrels as they're aging and you really pay attention to them and you monitor them and you take care of them and you create the right environment for them to really mature out, you get some really beautiful whiskey. And as a result of that, being able to, you know, for those who don't know, the Celebration product is... And, and you came right in. Like, when was the first year of Celebration? It was 2014, right? Um, no, the first year was 2013. No. Yeah. 2013, okay, so, so right after you joined, you came into that. So you yeah. came in. That was, wow. And, and just going back to your earlier, like, Andrea, the child who liked to play with stuff and test stuff. I mean, the yeah. Celebration's got to be like a dream come true. Going through yeah. all these beautiful barrels and, and that whole process. Yeah, it, it's... It, and, you know, people think, oh, well, how hard is it? You go out to the warehouse, you pick, you know, six beautiful barrels and you blend them together. How's that different than yesterday when you made your bourbon? You know, what's what's the big <laughs> deal? The, the reality is you're working with. So the celebration product was created to emulate the finest cognacs and scotches in the world, which are blends. And so celebration, we take, uh, the last time we did it was in 2019. We, we will continue to do the celebration product, but what makes it so rare is that particular liquid cannot be done again. So the last time we released it in 2019, there were 277 bottles and um, that's it. That was all that was made. And that product was a culmination of four rye barrels and two bourbon barrels all over the ten, age of 10 and some over the age of 30 years old. Now you think about that. Getting whiskey to marry together is not as simple as it might seem. You have to find the right barrels that are going to mingle together in the right way. It's I always tell people it's like a perfumery. You could have six scents that you really like and put all six of them together does not equal a bouquet. <laughs> it may be the worst smelling thing that you've ever smelled in your life. So you've got to find the six whiskeys that are going to mingle together in the right way to create something that is better than each of its parts. You know, so each individual whiskey might be good, 
but all of them together as celebration has to be better and it has to be something really exceptional. And I, I feel in my heart of hearts that the celebration product is one of the most beautiful whiskeys that I've had the privilege of working with in my entire life. And, and I love it very much. And I, and I don't think that there's anything that could match that, to be honest. I mean, my personal favorite, as you know, because I enjoyed it with you, was the 2014 Mictors 25 Rye. Mm. Uh, just, I'm a rye person. That was just a special moment sitting in there and just like, wow, 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 wow. And then I've been fortunate to have all the celebrations. I own one of them in my collection, the Kids College Fund. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just delicate beauty. Yet, I mean, perfection is really the only word that, that justifies what's done in the celebrations. Um, and yeah, I, I, it's, you guys just make something so special. And it's, I'm, I feel so privileged that I have the opportunity to engage and, and, and have fun and collect and drink mixers. And I, I just, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. Seriously, like you... You've been a huge, you were, the, you were the inspiration that got me into the whole bourbon. And obviously, you know, with, with Michter's, you know, because that's how you and I came. And, and I, did, I can't thank you enough and the whole Michter's team for everything you guys have done for me and everything I've gotten to be a part of. And um, it's, it's very special. Very, very special. Well, I am honored uh, to be here with you, Gavin. And I'm, I, you know, I do want you and everyone else to know that, you know, when when people even today when they connect with us about, you know, something mm -hmm. that happened or you know whatever, um, you know, they even to the extent that you know they pulled their cork out and they misplaced it, you know, can you help? You know, it's like. <laughs> You know, we, we try to connect with everybody because I think whiskey, no matter what, um, is about relationship. And, you know, we've worked so hard to create something that we want consumers to enjoy. And it's really important to us that we build the relationship. You know, anybody can be a company, anybody can make something, anybody can sell something, but where you differentiate yourself is is having a connection with somebody and connecting with consumers and, you know, being a part of building a brand um, that people really enjoy and will celebrate with is is something, you know, that is a privilege. And, um, you know, so so it was it it continues to be an honor to be a friend um, of yours, Gavin. And, you know, I am glad that you know, we were able to connect and, you know, and, and that's what whiskey's all about. You know, I'm sitting here and I'm talking to you today and that was a long time ago, but we're mm -hmm. still friends and, you know, mm -hmm. we know each other and I know that you could reach out anytime and, you know, you might say, Hey, I've got some friends in Kentucky, you know, and, and we, that's how, that's the, that's the club that we all belong to, you know, in this whiskey world. And, I think that's a very powerful thing. You know, I, I think about these whiskeys and people ask me, why is it so special? And I'm like, well, certainly it's beautiful and it tastes good and it looks good in the glass. And, you know, it's very photogenic and, you know, all of these things. But at the end of the day, 
these bottles, you know, hold approximately 25 ounces in them. And if you think about, you know, how many experiences that's going to contribute to in somebody's life, and that's just one person. And then you mm -hmm. multiply that out by the number of bottles that you're making. How many points of impact do you have in a person's life, you know, where they're sharing this whiskey for a wedding, for uh, celebrating someone's life, for sharing the birth of a child, for, you know, that 25th wedding anniversary, whatever it is, the, this is what you're a part of. You're a part of people's special moments in their lives. And that's something that I think is a privilege to be a part of. I, you know what, I'm just going to end the show right there because it couldn't have been said any better. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you again. I hopefully see you soon. Thank you for taking a journey with me as I go down a new avenue, as you've been a strong fan and supporter down the Rolex Whiskey Avenue and helped me, you know, build that and learn more. And now I'm going to go down the world of podcasting and educate people globally. I mean, that's always been my intent, the global education um, and alerting people of amazing brands that are full of passion. And, you know, that's you guys. That's you. That's you and the team. And, and I think all the people that put together those 25 ounces multiplied by the number of bottles who all just care and love, and you can tell when you drink it. Well, thank you, Gavin. Thank you very much for those kind words and cheers. I've actually got some cheers, bourbon huh? here, so I'm gonna... Oh, lucky, <laughs> lucky, up. I do. <laughs> I'm, I'm on uh, all three kids duty very shortly, so I'll probably do something in a bit. <laughs> I'll deal with that. <laughs> well, right. I'll hopefully see you soon. I appreciate you and thank you so, so much. All right, cheers. Thank you.